Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Charles Fishman with us. His latest work is called One Giant Leap, the impossible mission that flew us to the moon. It was 1961 when then-President John F. Kennedy's very famous speech about us working towards going to the moon was given. There's a backstory to the speech, which Charles will talk about right after this. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why, 35 years ago, fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Amazing. Charles, (laughs) what's the backstory? Well, the 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 backstory is that Kennedy, Kennedy wasn't that interested in space, and the decision to say on on May twenty fifth, nineteen sixty one, let's go to the moon, was really a pure Cold War calculation. the The Russians beat us to everything. Everything. I the first spacecraft launched into space. Sputnik. Russian. A month later, they launched the second one that had the dog Laika in it. The, the the first one weighed 185 pounds. The second one weighed 1,100 pounds and was an actual space capsule. Our first our first uh, satellite was planned to be 23 pounds. They sent the first probe to the moon. They photographed the dark side of the moon, developed those photos on board the spacecraft, and and radioed them back to Earth in 1959. They so they were the ones who. Who published photographs of the of the part of the moon that had never been seen before, and of course, famously, the first astronaut mm-hmm. Yuri Gagarin, the first female astronaut, the first spacewalk, and so President Kennedy was tired of being second, as as he said at the time. In this race, being second means you're you're losing. That's right. It's like being second with anything else, and and as it happened, Yuri Gagarin was launched to space on Wednesday. The, the following Saturday, the Bay of Pigs invasion began, and by the following Wednesday, American-backed rebels had not only been defeated by Castro, they had all been encircled and captured. And so, literally in the space of a week, there were two global humiliations for the United States, yeah. and, and Kennedy was president, and, and and actual triumphs for communism, right? The, oh, my God, yeah. I mean, the, it was a was bad a, week for the United States and a horrible week for President Kennedy. Right. Gagarin was a, was a, was a tremendous triumph of a, of a sort of pure human sort. And Castro defeating the, the, the Bay of Pigs rebels backed by the United States with, with U.S. destroyers standing offshore, my God, that was, that was uh, uh, humiliating. So Kennedy wanted to get back in the game. And what he was told was, they have a head start, but if we say we'll go to the moon, A, we might be able to pull it off, and B, their head start doesn't matter on something that's that hard. He was told that there's only a 50-50 chance we'll, we'll make it. And I think part of Kennedy's sort of inspirational leadership at that moment was, these guys think there's only a 50-50 chance. But if I stand up and give a speech, uh, the chances get better. He's going to increase the odds. But the interesting thing was, the really fun backstory that I did not know about was, 
Kennedy didn't want to give the speech. He was going to, the, the, the moon part was part of a, a 40 minute speech, and most of the speech was about the Cold War. The moon came in the sort of the last 10 minutes, last 12 minutes. And that's what everybody remembers. The, you know what? On the day it happened, some things haven't changed. The, the press coverage of that speech ignored, the, I counted them, there were 21 specific proposals prior to, prior to the moon, and the moon was the headline everywhere. You know, U.S. to race Russia to the moon. JFK says, must race Russia to the moon. And, and actually, he said in the speech that the survival of, of democracy and capitalism was part of what was at stake. And so, but he didn't want to deliver the speech. He was going to send it up to Congress as a, as a printed document for them to read. And LBJ said, if you want this to have oomph, if you want this to get people's attention, you got to go and do it. And that decision was made Wednesday at 3 o'clock, and the speech was delivered live to Congress on Thursday at noon, and all the networks covered it live So at 12.30. So that was an amazing... Just a little tidbit. If he hadn't delivered the speech, it's possible we wouldn't have gone to the moon. Because when you send an 80-page document to Congress, you don't get three-deck, 100-point headlines. Now, you also talk about, had he not been assassinated, you're not quite sure that uh, Armstrong and Aldrin would have walked on the moon. How come? You know what? I'm actually pretty persuaded that they wouldn't. The whole world had changed by 1963, and it had changed in part because... Kennedy stared down the Soviets in the, in the Cuban Missile Crisis. That was in October 62. In the summer of 63, Kennedy negotiated and signed the first nuclear weapons treaty, limiting, limiting both sides' testing. And NASA was furiously catching up to the Soviets. And, in fact, Kennedy toured what was then Cape Canaveral, he saw the, the, the early Saturn rocket that would go on to launch the largest payload into orbit ever, beating the Russians. And we have secret space tapes that, that almost no one appears to know about. Um, Kennedy, like Nixon, had a taping system installed in the Oval Office and installed in the cabinet room. Hmm. He had three buttons in the Oval Office, one in his desk, one in a bookend, near where he sat, and one in the coffee table, and one button in the cabinet office near his chair. He would press the button, and a light would go on 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 the desk of Evelyn Lincoln, his secretary, and she would start the taping system. So unlike Nixon, which was voice-activated, Kennedy picked what he wanted to tape. He had older technology, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was was picking and choosing. And, um, And those meetings are incredibly revealing. You might not believe them if you didn't listen to them. In the first one, they're talking, in 62, they're talking about the budget, and Kennedy gets a little exasperated. He wants Apollo to move along more quickly. And he says, in frustration, at one point, there's nine NASA officials in the cabinet room. He says, I'm not that interested in space. Let me be clear. We're going to beat the Russians. Does everybody understand that? And then he basically got up and excused himself. In 63, just 10 weeks before he was killed, he met only um, uh, with Jim Webb, the head of NASA Mm -hmm. in the Oval Office. Again, they were talking about progress, budgets, how to survive 
the next presidential and congressional elections. How do we protect space? And Webb told him, we're not going to land on the moon while you're president, Mr. President. Even if you get a second term, which he probably would have, we won't make it in 68. It'll be 69 after the next president takes over. And you can hear the disappointment in Kennedy's voice and also the political calculation. Like, why am I going to pay the cost for this? Why am I going to push and push and push for someone else to be president when it happens? I don't think he would have stood up and said, we're not going to the moon. I think he would have simply let Congress set the pace. And with Congress setting the pace, the funding would have dropped. And, and one thing, Apollo, Apollo needed rocket fuel, Apollo needed a good computer, and Apollo needed money. It did, indeed. And, of course, did, did Nixon take the credit for, uh, for Apollo? Did he take the credit? People who, don't like, people who don't like Nixon sort of are snarky about it. Nixon's signature is on the moon. Uh, yeah, that's right. It's the only signature on the moon, but Nixon signed the plaque that said, you know, we came in peace for all mankind. Nixon called the astronauts when they were, he called Armstrong and Aldrin. And while the astronauts were flying to the moon, the New York Times got wind that there was going to be a phone call to the astronauts from the Oval Office. And they wrote an editorial headlined, Nixoning the Moon. N-I-X-O-N-I-N-G, Nixoning the Moon. And it was just like, how dare the president call the astronauts? They're going to be busy on the moon. This was John Kennedy's, you know, idea. This is sort of horning in on something. Any president of the United States would have and should have called the astronauts. There's video you can watch of him. He used one of those AT&T green push-button phones with the line of lights at the bottom. He's sitting at his desk in the Oval Office, coat and tie, 11.15 at night, and he picks up the phone, and they patched him all the way through to the helmets of Armstrong and Aldrin who were out walking around. And so, it, to me, it was, a, it was a great moment, totally appropriate. The New York Times is sort of, you know, a, a moment of sort of losing their mind in politics. If Kennedy had been president, they wouldn't have said he shouldn't call the astronauts. Exactly. They would have insisted on it. And, and it, was, it was a sweet, it's, it's totally appropriate. That's what being president is about. Of course. And the phone call lasted one minute and 54 seconds, so I think the astronauts had time for it. <laughs> when you were writing and researching One Giant Leap, what did you come across that just really shocked you, that you didn't even know about until then? Oh, there, were, there, were, there, were, there was a surprise a day. You pick your story. NASA almost forgot to take a flag to the moon. How, how do you plan, almost forget to take a flag to the moon? The original plan for getting from the hatch of the lunar module to the lunar surface was a rope, a knotted marine rope, no ladder, a rope. When the astronauts took off their helmets inside the lunar module, first time, Armstrong and Aldrin, the entire inside of the spacecraft has a funny smell. Oh, no. It was the smell of the moon. It turns out that moon dirt moon dust has an odor to it and no one would have predicted that it was the smell armstrong said it was the smell of charcoal after you'd cooked a you know after you'd barbecued outside or the smell of fireplace ashes uh aldrin described it as the smell of the air after a fireworks show isn't that amazing how, how wonderful uh like you can send all the robots you want they're never going to tell you what the moon smells like no not at all that's an incredible story 
the flag NASA created NASA created the committee on symbolic observances for the first lunar landing <laughs> is that a NASA committee but they didn't do it until April 1st NASA was focused on getting to the moon and no one inside NASA had thought about well this is going to be a moment of pure human accomplishment a moment it's it's really not to put too fine a point, it's a moment of poetry, right? What, when you get to the top of Mount Everest, when you get to the North Pole, you hoist a flag, you pause, you take some pictures, you say, woo we made it. NASA wasn't doing that. And so it wasn't until April that someone said, let's take a flag, let's take a plaque, let's pause for just one minute. And at that point, the mission was was not only planned and done, the equipment was loaded, the, everything had been practiced, a guy named Jack Kinsler, who was head of technical services in Houston, developed this wonderful flag contraption, basically two tent poles, essentially two tent poles, hinged at the top, the flagpole that you plant, and then one that the astronauts could swing up so that it was horizontal, like a curtain rod, and slide the flag out. That's what made it look like it was waving in the wind, and all these people who said we never went claim that we were on some stage with a fan in the see, background. You can see the pole. You can see the little curtain rod. You can see that. Yeah. And Kinsler said he was inspired by his mom, and they used a, they used a, a $4 off-the-shelf American flag, and this was done so late that the checklist that the astronauts had sewed onto their spacesuit gloves that first mission, plant the flag, isn't on the checklist. It was too late to add it. And Kinsler actually got in a Gulfstream jet with the flag and flew the flag to the launch pad because they were, they were working on it right to the last minute. So, and that, of course, one of the great iconic images of Apollo 11 and of all the missions is the astronauts. But half the newspapers in the world used Armstrong and Aldrin and the flag the next day. That's so, right. Oh, it's a great we picture. we didn't forget. <laughs> and, of course, uh, they never would have gotten off the face of the moon had it not been for Aldrin and his Bic pen, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a kind of... Pe- people, people sometimes make fun of NASA for being so picky about every little thing, but, but at some point, either Armstrong or Aldrin had their spacesuit backpack on. Pe- people don't have any sense how small the, in- the inside of the lunar module was really the size of two phone booths. Right. There was no maneuverability at all. And those spacesuits were big and bulky, and it was not Star Trek. It wasn't even the space shuttle or the space station. There was no airlock. When you wanted to go outside, you you put on your spacesuit, then you sucked all the air out and opened the hatch. When you came back in, you kept your spacesuit on until you sealed the hatch and repressurized. That's right. And so at some point, one of them sort of moving around knocked uh knocked a um a little clip a circuit breaker switch the the these were sort of broke them off it broke off right right circuit breaker switches broke off a circuit breaker switch so you couldn't trigger the circuit breaker and that was the circuit breaker to arm the engine to leave the moon <laughs> you could have broken literally almost any other of, of but not not that breakers, one <laughs> but not that one and um and, you know, there was a lot of astronaut cool. There were a lot of moments where they just kept their heads together. He, he actually jammed a felt-tip pen in there to trigger the, uh, 
to trigger the uh, circuit breaker, and that was his own idea. He did not, <laughs> excuse me, he did not have to get guidance from uh, from Mission Control about about how to do it. He looked around and thought that felt tip pen will make it happen. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.